Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery with your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. Heard on FM Riverside and 1050 AM Palm Springs. Um, joining me today is, um, I guess we call him a horror author, uh, James G. Carlson. Uh, thank you for taking the time to talk today. Thanks for having me. So, James, let's start out with you. Um, where did this come from for you like so people know um more about you did you start out have you always been a kind of a horror dark sort of fan uh since you can remember or is this something new well i i've always been a fan of horror but i've only been writing horror for maybe two and a half years now Um, before that i was actually a music journalist oh that's a big change. Huge, yes. Um, well, I've, I would say I have many passions. Music's one of them. Um, but horror has been one since I would say I was 12 years old. So when you write something, now you're writing these horror tales or, or stories, um, do you have something in mind to tell people when you write? Um, is, or is it you just, are you just trying to get... Um, people creeped out or like what, what what's kind of the purpose so when you sit down like your new book coming out seven exhumations when you sat down and wrote that were you thinking um about the the outcome or what you want people to get out of it well um i've always been uh since i started writing horror my work has always been dark um, but i do sometimes incorporate social themes um, not so much political, but certainly social, uh, psychological. I don't like to. I don't like to focus on 
torture, things like that. I like to t- basically run with an idea that um, involves a character and basically puts them through quite a bit. And they will either triumph or end up in more of a nightmare than they begin with. Great. Um, I want to be a character. No. Uh, <laughs> so, 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 okay. So how do you pick a character then? Like what, what kind of a person do you pick? Uh, and, and are you out there looking, you know, like you're, you're about the streets or in the, uh, in a store or a coffee shop or where you're working? And is there someone you see and think, well, that, that person would be great to be punished or great to be put in this, <laughs> well, you know, and or it could also be not that they're, they're awful, but they could be very uh, cagey and very, uh, very smart. And you might think that person would be a great person in a book. Do you do that or is this just all imagination? It is, I would say, maybe 70% imagination, 30% um you know, mannerisms, traits, things like that, borrowed from people I've encountered. Um, but yeah, most of it is imagination. In fact, uh, most recently I've enjoyed writing from a female perspective, which I've uh, haven't done before. I can't say that I do it very well, but I, I have been enjoying it. Well, how how do you take that on? Like, so what do you do to write from a female's point of view? Are you um, um, do you talk to females you know or just sort of watch or just sort of do you put yourself in that place of what you would do um like that's a really hard thing to do i hear a lot of people complain like when we cover other areas you know like uh, in books we'll get people that complain like uh, how's a woman write about how a man feels or how's sometimes i see that go on in the in the TV world, you know, or how's a straight guy play a gay character, you know, things like that. Um, so what do you do to prep yourself to be a woman? Well, it's, it's difficult. Well, first of all, um, I love observation. Um, I have a wife, I have a stepdaughter. Um, at my, my day job, I encounter a lot of people and I, I observe them um, at length. Also, I've been told <laughs> that I have uh, a strong feminine side, so I go with that as well. Oh, okay. So you have something to draw on. That's that's interesting. Yeah. Now, so now let's talk about that seven exhumations. Um, what's the basic premise of that book? Okay. Well, um, there are seven tales in all, obviously, um, and each one takes place in Pennsylvania, my home state. And they're quite different uh, as far as the horrors you encounter in, in each story. For example, uh, the first one, which was probably my favorite one to write out of the bunch, I was inspired by the adventures I had with my brother um, in our youth here in Pennsylvania. And it's basically a sentient house that traps the souls of people who enter it so it doesn't have to be alone. And it's two boys who need to survive that situation. Hmm. So are you, have you had a lot of um, um, experience with paranormal and ghosts and stuff? Is this sort of a, something you, you delve into um, not only in your books, but outside of it? I wouldn't say I've had a lot of experience, though I'm 
very open to any possibility. Right. But, uh, but being open is one thing, but when you actually include that sort of, you know, souls being trapped and stuff, so you, do, do you sort of think that um, there is something spiritual that, that, uh, that you want to put into your books? Well, I am somewhat religiously preoccupied, I admit, uh, although I'm not religious. In this particular story, however, um, there's no spirituality. It's mainly a house that has uh, it's self-aware, but it's also corrupt and maybe a bit um, mad, actually. Oh, there you go. So um, that, that's pretty interesting. So uh, at the end of these seven stories, um, so so is this is this like a fun fest? Do you want this to uh, people to come out of it? Um, how do you want them to feel? I guess that's the best way to say it. Okay, um, perhaps a bit shaken, um, but also I try to write with a certain amount of um, maybe a little bit of poetry here and there, and make it enjoyable. I wish I could incorporate more humor, but that's not really my strong suit in writing. Well, you know, it's it's kind of a dark humor. Some people, you know, they that that, that really works for some people. You know, you just got to give it a try. You never know. Um, that's pretty interesting. So, who who do you read? Who influences you? Oh wow! Uh, mainly, first and foremost, I would say. Clive Barker, he's my favorite author probably of all time. Wait, did and, you have a particular reason? Like what, what does Clive Barker do that makes you um, follow everything or be, his, be your favorite? Okay, well, he, his imagination is just boundless. There's so much that comes from there, and his ability to tell the tale is amazing, absolutely amazing. What 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 in a tale is the most important thing? So when you say, you know, like he has a, a great imagination and he can tell a really good tale. So when you when you try to write something or when you put something out, um, what's the most important thing in the, in your writing then? The story. I would say it's it's equal parts story and the delivery of the story, or conveyance of the story. Um, although I have to admit that my imagination is far superior than my ability to tell the story. But I guess that um, improves over time. Uh, yeah, that, that's actually a particular thing that I think everyone feels as a writer, or most do, um, because the, the ability to write, when you actually sit down and write, then you realize that, oh, um, I, you know, you can't, you can't express yourself in correct English or properly and putting it together is not always the easiest, but it gets better each time you do it. It does. That is yeah. very true. Uh, in the past two years, I've been in short stories in maybe about a dozen anthologies and I find myself improving um, during the process of each uh, story. So it's been a learning process for sure. Yeah, you'll find I, I, I've been doing that since I started. And I think that um, what happens is you just start developing your skills 
and technique at writing. But remember, it's it, you don't have to be the best writer, per se. Mm. What it is is you've got something to say. And when you have something to say, you, you, you need to put it out or something in a book or whatever, music, whatever you're doing. So I think that's the key to it. Um, mm. You know, you don't, you don't have to be the ultimate writer, you know, um, as long as you get your point across, I think. And, and, uh, and it gets better. Oh, absolutely. So, when you, so in the world today, now when mm. we um, are going through all of this weird stuff, you know, the COVID and the, uh, oh, yeah. and uh, Black Lives Matter protests, shooting, um, you know, anti-maskers and, and Trump and all of this stuff going on um, right now. Does that affect your writing? I suppose the, the very, the anxious climate um, of America certainly plays into it. Um, because obviously whatever we feel will find its way into our, our writing. That's inevitable. So I, in some of my stories, yeah, they get a bit dark. Um, those fears and anxieties are present. Never specifically expressed, but they're certainly there. Yeah, I would imagine. Uh, it certainly, it, it affects when I'm writing. I, I definitely mm. approach it from a darker point. Now, so, um, so with that being said, um, do you ever get kind of a block or a place sometimes where you don't feel like writing or you can't write? I think at this point in my early fiction career, my only difficulty is uh, being time challenged uh, to, you know, basically to find the time to, to write. Uh, like I said, I do have a day job, and I have a family, and far too many pets. So I, I do try to find um, time to write, and if I could, I'd write endlessly. There's sometimes I will sit down to write, and I'll go for nine, ten hours. Well, that's good. I, I, I just wonder, like, because uh, if... For me, I know if I schedule time, it never works for me. Mm. Like if I sit there and say, okay, I've got 2, two o'clock to 8 o'clock on Friday open. So I say I'm going to write. And if I go to sit down at 2 o'clock to write, uh, most of the time it doesn't work. <laughs> right. No, I, I get that. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much a creature of habit. Um, I have specific routines and rituals and so forth. So I try to go out and exercise in the morning, and then when I come back, I'll make a cup of coffee and sit at my laptop and write for as long as my imagination and my energy will allow me to. Hmm. That's good. I mean, it sounds like you're, you're doing the right thing. Do you, what, do you, um, what do you recommend for other writers? Would you, would you, if someone else that's starting out and, and that, what, what would be the thing you tell, the one thing that they should do the most, do you think? Mm. Well, one of the one of the most difficult things for a writer is self-doubt, in my experience. And the trick is to just do it, despite the self-doubt, uh, despite the the negative self-talk talk that you maybe can't do this, and other people will appreciate it. Just do it. See what happens. Um, yeah. At the end of the day, you won't regret it. 
Also, um, remove yourself from distractions because distractions, uh, I've heard, uh, and I, I believe it to be so, is they are the enemy of creativity. Well, there you go. I think that I think it's true. I, I, the self doubt will never leave. Right. Just so you know, uh, you'll always feel like you're uh, a fake, or someone's going to find out. <laughs> true <laughs> you know that that doesn't end I, I i've been doing it for a long time and and each time you do a book it still feels that way it's weird um but you know uh you just got to keep on doing what you do and and uh, not worry about it i guess exactly so no, that's a good thing um so classic horror or modern day horror like what do you like best when you and i mean this in uh and not just books, but let's say stories and, and even shows. Like, uh, do you find yourself um, attracted to uh, Frankenstein and Dracula and some of the old real classics, um, The Mummy, or do you prefer the way people write now? I must admit that I'm a big fan of both. I, I grew up with early horror, um, 80s and 90s horror, but I still love it, um, the stuff that's being produced and released today it's it's fantastic at books and movies and television uh, big fan of all three and in fact i've read several books this year that kind of blew me away as, in terms of um the talent and the imagination so the the genre is still going strong yeah, oh yeah there is quite a uh, an enterprise now i'm just wondering if you uh, some people kind of go one way or the other and they look into something and they go, well, I love the way the classics wrote or, you know, something like that. Or, um, but yeah, it's definitely a good business now. Do you ever think you'll get into something else? Do you ever think you could cross over into a different type like a romance? No, I mean, just <laughs> <laughs> romance, probably not. No, uh, I have written a science fiction story for an anthology last year which I had, I had a lot of fun doing that. That I find it takes more research to write a uh, science fiction novel, or, excuse me, a short story, uh, even a novel, but uh, then horror, because horror is, it can be absurd, it can be utterly impossible, but with science fiction, you need to do some research to make it believable. And I do, I like fantasy a lot as well. Well, you know, they're kind of, they're kind of related, like first cousins, you know. I think that, yeah. So when you do your stories, are you doing modern-day stories or are you doing something that happened in the 50s? My stories take place uh, either in uh, the 90s or present day. In my current uh, collection, Seven Exhumations, the seven stories take part, place mostly today. But there are a few that take place, um, and actually one takes place in the future, and one takes place in the 90s. Wow. So that does take a little bit of research when you go back a little bit in time. It does. Yeah, absolutely. No cell phones. No, uh, the yeah. technology was very different. Yeah, you do have to be, yeah, because it has to be somewhat realistic. So, um, right. you know, it's kind of crazy. So, uh, so do you like blood and guts too, and all that stuff? Is that part of the way you write? That's not the main focus. It, it has its part for sure, but it's not my main focus. My main focus is to 
it's to be hoped that the reader will um, attach to the, the main character and want to see what happens to them throughout the story. And if blood and guts do occur, then that's great. But otherwise, uh, as long as I can write a character that you care about and want to see what happens to them, I'm perfectly happy with that. And that's my goal. Now, the the um, other cast members, the other characters in the book surrounding your main character, your main character is going through some sort of a an event or horror or some sort of thing is happening to that person. So the, the characters that support this person, um, where do they come from? Or they, they come from a different place? Do you just fictionalize, like totally create someone that's going to do something? Um, maybe explain that process. Okay. Well, my incidental characters, I try to give them as much of the stage, so to speak, as possible. Um, but they're, they're born from imagination, just like my main characters, and they either help that main character along the way, or they kind of hinder their progress as not necessarily an uh, enemy, but certainly an obstacle. Wow. Um, I do, so do you like the, uh, the, the kind of writing where there's an opposing, like there's an evil force um, that your character has to deal with, and that evil force is actually another character rather than something like a, a spiritual or something that we, we, we don't really know. It's not a living being, so to speak. Um, so do you, do you like having uh, a, a kind of an evil character in your book? I do on occasion. Yes. Um, I have one that will actually hopefully be out this February in another collection of short stories uh, in which I have just a human being, just, a, just totally rotten and uh, evil. And a, a, a young person has to face off with this person and hopefully survive. I'm not really big on slasher writing or, um, serial killer writing and so forth. But this one kind of just popped into my head and I had to write it. And it takes on a fantasy aspect as well. It's called Bloom and Rot. And hopefully, like I said, it will be out in February. So what, what, now do you, do you write um, with these short stories? Do they usually get out in magazines or do they go out on their own? The Most of them are in anthology books um, from – there's been several. Uh, I've worked with uh, Gypsum Sound Tales out of Australia. I've been in three of their anthologies. Um, Grinning Skull Press. I was in their holiday horror anthology. Um, which one? What else? Uh, several others. And it's been interesting working with indie presses to see which ones I would like to continue working with in the future, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh yeah, they they each have their own style, their own editing format, you might say, and and uh, it, it's all sort of it's either got to work with you or it doesn't, you know. Right. And uh, and stuff like that. So do you do you like doing these um, these short stories? Then is that kind of more of a favorite of yours than doing a let's say a full novel? Well, I'm currently working on a full novel. I just take several breaks in between two you know, write short stories to keep material coming out there. And also I find the novel process quite long. 
well, I, I can write a short story in two or three weeks, whereas my current novel has been, wow, uh, almost a year now in progress, and it's not even halfway finished yet. So, so what is it that takes you long a long time to write a, certain stories? Like, what 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 is it that takes longer? Is it is it just the is it more of an emotional feeling that you're getting, or is it? Um, I don't know if you if you kind of get what I'm saying. Like in 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 my writing, I do a lot of true crime, murder sort of stories, so I'm basing it on what happened, and it's about finding the the evidence so that's what takes the time in yours it's coming from your your mind um so why would it, it help me to understand that why does one story take so much longer than the other like what is it about the process well i think um several reasons the first of which probably is you know the general novel 60 to 100,000 words or uh whatever count you want to place on it it's a much larger undertaking than writing one say 5,000 to 10,000 words so you really need to stretch that story out. life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why united healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs learn more at uh1.com how would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Out and keep it entertaining from start to finish. Um, you need to really work on character development, pacing, uh, add some scenes that will really, really keep the reader absorbed. So I'm 
that's my focus, and I want to do it properly, so I've been taking my time with it. While with a short story, I introduce a character, I basically put the situation out there that they have to overcome, and then put them through the motions there. And while it's very entertaining, it's also very, it's, it's a short burst of entertainment. So I find that much easier uh, in comparison to writing a novel. Yeah, it's it's um, it's quite a process. So now, uh, now I have to ask this because I ask this of most writers. Um, mm. So in fiction, anyway, um, when you have uh, these characters, do you ever put someone in that you know that you'd like to see them killed? <laughs> Don't mean that morbidly, but, but but you know, have you ever had you know you come you're waiting in a line at a store and someone's really rude to you and just nasty and you're like, you get out in your car and you go, wow, what a cow you know and you really think <laughs> wow what an awful person and it bothers you and stuff like that do you ever think because i get this from certain writers certain writers say yeah if you if you piss me off if you do something really bad to me um i'll take you and i'll put you in the book and i'm going to kill you off and there's some that you know jd said there's some some really good writers that do that and i'm just so i'm just wondering do you ever does that ever happen in your writing you know, it may have uh, unconsciously. I've taken someone that I've found pretty much detestable uh, in real life and uh, incorporated that into my stories, and they've met a terrible fate. But I've never done that consciously, honestly. Um, I have a – I'm pretty much – I'm a strange horror writer in the sense that my imagination is very dark and disturbing, but in real life I am – actually a pretty passive and peaceful individual well i mean I, I i can understand that it could just be an outlet you know oh sure it could, be, could be a way of um you know of, of being that way you know because when i was young you know we our our cartoons or were were quite quite violent in a sense um, oh yeah when i was young and and so i look at it now and i think well a lot of these probably could never be played nowadays because it's, you know, <laughs> against, against the way the world thinks. But it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. I mean, you know, uh, you know, it's not like you're doing it in real life, at least that we know of. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm the type of individual that will, if I find a bug in my house, I'll take it outside. Um, yeah, I do that too. Like that. People think that's weird, but I just I'm not really into killing things. No. It just because they it's something I don't like. So yeah, if you see a bug, I I'm not really I'm not prone to go kill it. Exactly. Um, you know, stuff like that. Mind you, I was visiting some relatives in in Arizona and they had these big pet spiders, you know. Mm. Big huge things, big as your hand. And, and I'm kind of like not really. I'm not scared of them, but I don't like them. And I, and I, I could just typically be sitting on a couch. And if I saw this big spider, I might, I might step on it. It just, you know, out of right. reaction. And I'm thinking, well, I better not do that. That's their pet. But um, yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, people are, you know, it's a funny world we live in. So oh, it is. Um, so so explain that. So. Um, where do people find you? So where do you, where do you, you have a website, right? So uh, tell, tell everybody where they can find you. 
Okay. Well, my my website is it's at WordPress uh, under James Carlson, and you'll find a list of the anthologies I've been in. The upcoming um, collection of short stories will be available at terrortract.net and also at Amazon. We were aiming for a Halloween release, but it looks more like it will be in November um, because the editor is still hard at work on that one. Yeah, you know, things always go, they, they can go that way. You know, it's yeah. not always as planned. You know, one thing, you, uh, this is, uh, you never mentioned uh, Stephen King. Uh, is, that, is that, you're not a fan or are you a fan? I'm a fan. I'm not as crazy about him as some, but I, I really respect and admire him as an author. I've read a lot of his work, actually. And in, in fact, my favorite story of his uh, is The Talisman. I think he wrote it with Peter Straub uh, years ago, many years ago. I thought that was pretty great. Um, but I've read The Stand, It, etc., and he's a phenomenal writer. But in the horror genre, Clive Barker remains my favorite. Uh, as far as um, – well, he's still at it, Clive Barker. He's making a comeback. Um, but there's some new authors that really have impressed me as well. Well, and that, that's a good thing, you know. I uh, well, you know, um, Stephen King, you know, he I guess he, he's a great writer, but uh, I, I don't know why most of his movies suck. Sometimes the books don't make great adaptations. Uh, I've noticed that with Clyde Barker as well. His books are brilliant, but the movies tend to do the uh, books a great disservice. Yeah, it's 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 hard to trans you know, to, to, to make the transition from sometimes from a book to a movie. Plus they don't spend enough money on it. You know, they don't, True. you know, that's the problem. You, you need to put a lot of money in it to make something like that, uh, a good event, you know, True. I, I see that with comics a lot too. Like if you, you know, the walking dead to the, uh, show, I mean, it's, um, it sometimes uh, you look at the characters and think, well, how stupid, why wouldn't you, you know, how do you get trapped when these zombies walk really slow? Um, it's, you know, because they, they try to put them in a dark, closed-in space, so they have to fight a zombie. But in the comic, it works. But to do it on TV sometimes doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't always translate very well. I, I was a fan of The Walking Dead when it first began and probably lost interest around season four or five and haven't watched it since. Yeah. Yeah, that happens. I think they beat it to death, right? They, right. They, they take these shows and then they just go too far and too many years and too many characters come and go. And it's just, um, they're just keeping it going almost and uh, kind of loses its interest. Um, you yeah. know, uh, they did that with Dexter too, I think. They did. However, it's coming back. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I'm kind of, I'm back and forth on that because, <laughs> yeah. uh, because uh, you know, the, it, it went too long. They were kind of grasping at some sort of a story to keep it going. And I think the first four seasons were fine, maybe five, and then that's enough, you know. Um, then they tried to wrap it all up at the end too quickly. That happens. You know, and that's kind of, you know. So, you know, but this has the original group from the first four years, so maybe it'll turn out good, you know. Uh, they certainly have the ability. We'll just uh, have to wait sure. and see, 
you know. <laughs> do, do, gee, are you a fan of stuff like Netflix and, and all the streaming service? To a point, yes. Uh, it's difficult to comb through all the the things I don't like in order to find the, the gem that I should be watching that evening. So it takes a lot of searching to get to something worthwhile. That's my only gripe with Netflix, uh, Amazon, although I have been really enjoying Shudder recently. Yeah, I just got that. I haven't really uh, tuned in much, but I just signed up for it and uh, a few others. But, you know, um, yeah, it's almost a free-for-all. There's so it much is. stuff on there now that it's tough to, uh, you know, because sometimes you think, oh, that'll be good, and you stick it on, and it's just awful. Oh, yeah. I've had that experience many times. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's just a lot of garbage on there. It's almost like no, uh, there, there's just no standard. It just, no. just we'll stick it all on there and whatever you like, you like, you know. Yeah, just loads of content so everyone has something to choose from. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I don't blame them. I guess it's tough, too, now with COVID, a lot of productions shut down and slowed down. And so things are kind of, uh, they just have to start filling it with stuff. You know, that is true. Um, although, from what I've, um, from what I've learned, uh, more people are reading during the, the the pandemic than before, which is, you know, it's pretty nice for uh, for writers. Yeah, it's a good thing. I think that um, I think the I think the people have to read more, and I, I'd love to see younger people read more because um, it's so easy to do texts. And emails that are not written, you don't. We don't write texts and emails like properly, right? Like we, it's not like writing a letter. Um, we just sort of shoot abbreviations and <laughs> and you know. So I think we get really sloppy at our at our writing. It becomes it's not very formatted, you might say. And so I think reading is good. People can, um, I think, learn to communicate better. And that's a good oh. thing. Absolutely. Yeah, I frustrate people with my uh, my texts because I punctuate them and I don't really abbreviate much. So they, they think I'm pretty strange in that regard. No, that's great because I know so many writers that I get uh, all these abbreviations and letters. And I'm getting old. I don't admit it. But, you know, I'm getting uh, – 58. Oh, my God. And, okay. and But it's, uh, it's kind of weird um, – because then I get these things, and it's like, okay, I don't know what that means. So then I have to go online and look up all the abbreviations. So it takes me just as long. <laughs> sure, sure. It makes perfect sense, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, hey, you know, we, uh, we all have our thing. But um, I don't know. It's crazy. The world's changing. So It really is. Uh, so what's next for you? you when is this uh, Seven Exhumations coming out? It will be out next month um, for sure uh, in November through Terror Tracks Publishing. Um, hopefully second or third week of November. Okay. Well, you know, keep us informed on in that, because what I'll do is I'll also put that up on our website. I'll put you up on the website. Your, your, uh, so people listening, uh, they can find you if they forget your name or whatever. They can just go and one click and get to your web page and stuff. And then when the book comes out, we'll post that as well so people can help find it as well if they forget or something. You know, it's all good. Um, so, it, what, what kind of, what's your plans? You're going to keep on writing like this. You're, you're, you've got lots of stories. How many stories do you have going at a time usually? Well, uh, it, it varies uh, depending upon deadline or what I've been asked to do. Right now, I have 
a novella, a novel, and a short story in the works. The short story is due next month. Uh, the novel is just whenever it's finished, whenever I'm happy with it. The novella is on its second rewrite because I love the story, but not the way I've written it. So I keep going over it. Um, it's been an agonizing process, to be honest. Yeah, and that's the hard thing. You know, uh, so why don't you like it? Is it because of your own self-doubt? Is it that kind of thing when you when you kind of – is it the way it's outlined and you kind of go, oh, that's not good? Is it is it come from you or does it come from just do you think the way it's, it reads? I think it's the way it reads because I don't think that the way it's written does the story justice because it's a uh, – I love the story. I just don't love the way I'm conveying the story. I need, think it needs just to be – it deserves a proper writing is what it comes down to. Well, do you think people will not grasp or get the point as well as you want them to? Is that it? I think it's more of a personal thing. I think people would understand it and maybe appreciate it, but I'm just not willing to release it as it currently is because personally it's just not reading the way I'd like. Well, that's a good thing. I mean, you're, you're really um... – you're really concerned on how it turns out. Like you, oh, absolutely. It has yeah. to be a particular way. And then that's mm -hmm. good. That's really good. Because um, some some people are not quite that. Uh... Do you ever fight with editors? Um, actually, I've not. I've, I haven't had any fights with editors yet. Um, well, I did when I was in journalism, but never uh, in fiction yet. Um, but I've actually, I've found... I've been rejected several times for various things, and I actually have found rejection very helpful in moving my writing forward. You know, while most people want to give up when they get rejections, it makes me want to work harder, and it makes me want to make the story better and make the characters better. So it's it's proven invaluable in my process. Well, I think that's one big secret that a lot of people don't get or a key to it is I think when you get negativity, when you get uh, negative reviews or negative, uh, you know, rejections from a publisher or an editor or people that say bad things about you, to be able to take that negative energy and turn it into something creative is really the process. It's the secret. It's the key item. And um, mm -hmm. that's something I learned a long time ago, and it's not easy to do. Um, but I think that's a, that's a really important aspect for someone that if they want to keep doing their writing or music or whatever for a long period of time, they've got to be able to do that. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, a lot of editors, they pour through numerous manuscripts and short stories on a daily basis, and they know what people would like to read and how they'd like to read them. So I take their advice to heart when I get it and it, usually improves my stories a lot. Yeah, usually the editor just wants it to be a better book. They're, mm -hmm. not, they're not in it to, uh, to, to hurt you, I don't think. that Most of them do want it to become better. Oh, um, yeah. You know, I, I, think, I think I got into a few battles with some editors back in uh, probably my third or fourth book because I kind of had a bit of a chip on my shoulder too, right? 
Um, <laughs> after you've done a few that have done well, then you kind of come back thinking, well, I know it all. <laughs> well, what, a, yeah. what a mistake. Because <laughs> 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 you don't, you know, it, 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 you know, it just, it's just part of the process, I guess. But I learned quickly. I, I look back at that as kind of, oh, that was a learning lesson. And, sure. uh, you know, it, it, it's better now. But, yeah, overall, most, most of the editors, I think, just want it to be something better. Um, but, um, you know, you have to go sure. with it, you know. Well, I've got to say, what you write is probably um, more of a chore to edit because it's, it's all factual. Um, true crime is difficult, and that's, that's actually – that's where the true horror is with true fiction because it actually happened, and that's, yeah. that's really mind-blowing stuff. Yeah, I think the hardest part is when you go around and meet families, you go around and meet people that were involved in it, that have suffered the loss, that have been through the horror, mm. and, and seeing how it stays with them for 20 years. You know, it just doesn't, it doesn't change. I think that's the hardest part of it. But, no, the editing actually can take a while because um, most publisher edits will go through and verify all the numbers, the dates, the facts, the names, and that can be really time-consuming. Mm. Not so much the the grammar. We do get that. Sure. Uh, you know, at times, you know, or they they suggest some things, um, the the way it's put. Because sometimes you could write it and not realize you're being kind of, uh, you know, um, kind of kind of hard, <laughs> kind of gross, or kind of it's a little bit too graphic, maybe. You know, yeah, I get it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, because uh, there's members of the family still alive. Like that last book I put out, and there's there's people that, you know, if if you get into the assault, the rape, and the killing of, of two girls, and you're like, you know, how far do you go? You want people to understand what the, the person did, but you don't have to be too salacious. You know, there's there's that fine line. Of course, yeah. You know, so I think I think that's the the aspect of in my kind of writing that you have to worry about. And of course, then you get some writers that just don't care; they'll just put out whatever, you know. True. I, I think the last true crime fiction I've uh, true crime nonfiction I've read was Truman Capote's In Cold Blood. So it's been a long time. <laughs> I'd say, but that yeah. you know, he he did a he did he he had a big influence because he classically changed the way people wrote. He made it um, not just the facts kind of man mm -hmm. that story. He actually turned it into a um, you know literature. He turned it into a story, a, a, something you can flow and follow through. Because before him, a lot of writers would just you know uh, you know here's the date, here's the the person, this is what they did, this is where they came from, and this is what happened kind of thing. And they, there was no real – it was like reading a, a police report. Right, exactly. And you know? if you can combine uh, true events with art, my hat's off to you. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's hard, and sometimes it really works and sometimes it doesn't because right. – you know, you have to put a. You have to be the voice that takes people through the the events, and, and that, yeah. that can be tricky because, well, especially and these days, you know, when people are so divided, there's so much fighting, and uh, you just you kind of have to be really careful how you present things. You know, um, it's kind of weird, um, but it's all good. Absolutely. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I could I could be you know doing something worse that's for sure so i'll tell you
Um, so that's great. Um, I really appreciate this, and uh, we'll have everything up for people. Um, any last words for listeners? Um, no, just uh, you know, look out for Seven Exhumations. It will be out in November from Terror Tracks Publishing, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. Well, I'm sure they will. It's it's it, it's you know that'll be great. Well, uh, again, our guest has been uh, James G. Carlson, and he's the horror author. His latest book comes out in early November. We'll have that up as well, and that's Seven Exhumations. Thank you very much for being on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. 